Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Building on research conducted in 2018 on the clear and positive link between high levels of psychological safety and a strong teamwork culture, Richard Smith, Professor of Strategic Management and Deputy Dean Programs at the SMU Lee Kong Chien School of Business, has now dug deeper by focusing on diversity. How does closing the gender gap within organisations in Asian countries impact overall company performance? Are employees more productive or less with a sense of belonging to the workplace? In this podcast, Professor Smith discusses the key findings of his research conducted in collaboration with consultancy group Great Place to Work Institute Singapore. The rigorous study, one of the largest in Asia to highlight gender differences, surveyed over 400,000 employees from more than 800 organisations located across eight countries in the Asia-Pacific. Professor, what prompted you to focus this research on the topic of gender diversity? The topic really has been an area of interest of mine for quite some time. Over the last several years, I've taught a topic on leadership. And through that teaching, I've been surprised to find that, you know, we haven't made as much progress on gender diversity as maybe we would think we should be at this point. Now, there's a lot of studies about gender diversity all around the world. But what I notice is that we don't really have a comprehensive view on some of the gender diversity challenges across Asia. So I approached the Great Place to Work Institute with this idea, and they were equally as interested in how might we provide some insights on this topic of gender diversity, gender equality across the countries in Asia. How does this study build on your earlier research on the factors that make a company a great place to work? You know, this study, uh, as we got into it, I must say, was how do we approach this? The danger with studying genders is stating the obvious. And so, in fact, uh, as I got into the data, I I found myself in that trap. And just to share a little story, I got the data, and if you can kind of visualize, with 400,000 survey responses, there's millions of data points. And as I started looking at that, I got excited because the gender differences on a number of areas were very clear. And so I was at uh, home, I shared this with my daughter, uh, and, um, and she looked at me and said, great dad, you are a professor at a university and you've discovered that there are differences between men and women. Please don't embarrass me and publish this. And so I took that to heart. And, uh, and as we got into it, I said, really, let's build on what we did in prior studies through the data and let's look more carefully at what are some of the gender differences in key areas that make a difference in firm performance and firm results. And so therefore we built on what we did in the prior years around teamwork and psychological safety and then added the dimensions of inclusion and belonging. And that's where we ended up and we really found some interesting things. What is the definition of an inclusive environment? How does an individual perceive belonging in an organizational context? Yeah, the topics related to diversity often use language like inclusion, belonging, 
And unfortunately, I think these are used very casually by leaders and by others in the organization. But yet, if we look at these words, there's really an important meaning and a distinction behind them. So for example, if we take the idea of inclusion, inclusion is you know, the degree that within the organization, just as the word sounds, we're including uh, people. Now, what does that mean in practice? Well, that means that we're not just casually everybody's invited, but we're actually taking into account the values and differences of those people. One of the familiar traps that we fall into in organizations is that the idea that, well, yes, we're including everyone. Uh, we're having a company golf outing, for example. Everyone's invited. Well, guess what? it tends to be mostly the guys that are golfers. And the women, yes, they're invited, but you know what? They're not gonna show up. And so is that inclusive? No. Same thing with, you know, whether it's going out to drinks or other things that may not be the same interest for everyone. And uh, whether that's gender differences, religious differences, other things that create divide. And so as organizations think about inclusion, they need to think a little more carefully rather than just casually about what is including everyone. The second word is belonging. And belonging is a little bit trickier because it's not something that the company does. Belonging is something that a person feels about where they are. And so we think about this as the degree of affiliation that someone may have with a team or with others. And that affiliation is this sense of, do they care about me? Do they care about my you know, well-being? And, uh, and so belonging happens at an individual level. So when we think about inclusion and belonging, they're really two sides of the same coin. Inclusion is something that the company can do. Belonging is what the person will or will not feel in terms of their affiliation with the company. What are the key takeaways from your study? This study involved a lot of different things, but the key takeaways you know, were interesting. One, I think we highlighted that across Asia, we're in a bit of a migration. And perhaps in some companies, we're early days in getting into gender diversity. Uh, in other companies, uh, we've made great advancements. And so what that points out is that we've got a lot of diversity about diversity, uh, if you will. And, uh, and that varies quite a bit by country, uh, as well as by industry and, and type of company. But the good news is, I think, you know, we're making uh, progress. What was particularly striking, however, is that as we looked at the data, we see a bit of a disruption. In other words, the old boys club, in many cases, is being disrupted. And to bring that home, I think, from a construct standpoint, what we actually found is that as diversity increased in firms, the more men became uncomfortable. Now that sounds kind of silly, right? Uh, but as we create a more inclusive environment, 
uh, we actually disrupt the teamwork. And so male responses around teamwork actually go down. And so we found an inverse relationship between male sense of teamwork and female uh, sense of inclusiveness and belonging. So in other words, we have to go through a bit of a change inside organizations, maybe disrupt the status quo to get the benefits of the diversity. And finally, I guess the good news is that those firms around the region that were able to you know, figure out how do we not only create diversity, but how do we address this, were able to really see the benefits. And so that relationship of you know, you know, male sense of teamwork being down and, and those types of things had been resolved over time. So the good news is that um, with the right efforts, companies can really make an impact in diversity across Asia, uh, but it's not without the challenge of making these changes. What are the recommendations that business leaders can take to build an inclusive workplace with a sense of belonging? So as we think about, you know, what do companies need to do to address these issues with belonging, to create a sense of inclusiveness inside their, uh, their organizations? First, we have to address the hygiene issues. We can talk a good game, but until we think about the gender differences that show up in pay, uh, performance, and recognition, we're not really able to have credibility with employees, quite frankly. And so leaders need to make sure that they address that. There are biases in all these types of decisions. And the more that we can address those in companies, whether that's through you know, policy, but also in practice and the way that those are carried out, the way those decisions are made, that's the first step. So addressing the hygiene issues is number one. Number two is then thinking about how do we address diversity, not as an HR thing, as a cultural and leadership thing. In other words, leaders need to take a personal and proactive stance on how do I create an inclusive environment? What are the ways that I am holding myself accountable for my interactions with others? How do I you know, create a sense of belonging with the people around me? The other thing that leaders, particularly the senior leaders, need to do is to be able to address and reward leaders for taking action on diversity. Oftentimes we think, well, leaders should know all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that you know, people need to continue to work on diversity on an ongoing basis. Because let's face facts, you know, we have bias, we have ways of working, and oftentimes we're comfortable in those familiar patterns with the people that we can you know, affiliate with or we know well. And changing that inside organizations is not only the right thing to do, but the research shows it actually creates great benefits, not only within the organization for working, but also in financial and firm performance results. Thank you, Professor. Thank you very much. It's been great to be here.